Today is March 26th. I'm Serena, and welcome to the Seven Streams Bible Reading Method. We are in the World Stream today, back in the book of Genesis. We won't quite finish the book of Genesis today. That'll happen next week. We have some more to cover in the life of Jacob, who is now Israel, and all his sons. What's going to happen to them as they go to Egypt? We'll be covering Genesis 46, 1 to 49, 28 today. We're reading from the God's Word translation this week. Genesis chapter 46. Israel moved with all he had. When he came to Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. God spoke to Israel in a vision that night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he answered. I am God, the God of your father, he said. Don't be afraid to go to Egypt, because I will make you a great nation there. I will go with you to Egypt, and I will make sure you come back again. Joseph will close your eyes when you die. So Jacob left Beersheba. Israel's sons put their father Jacob, their children, and their wives in the wagons Pharaoh had sent to bring him back. They also took their livestock and the possessions they had accumulated in Canaan. Jacob and all his family arrived in Egypt. He had brought his sons, his grandsons, his daughters, and his granddaughters, his entire family. These are the names of Israel's descendants, Jacob and his descendants, who arrived in Egypt. Reuben was Jacob's firstborn. The sons of Reuben were Hanak, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. The sons of Simeon were Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jakin, Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman. The sons of Levi were Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. The sons of Judah were Ur, Onan, Shelah, Perez, and Zerah. Ur and Onan had died in Canaan. The sons of Perez were Hezron and Hamul. The sons of Issachar were Tola, Puva, Yob, and Shimron. The sons of Zebulun were Sered, Elon, and Jalil. These were the descendants of the sons Leah gave to Jacob in Padan Aram, in addition to his daughter Dinah. The total number of these sons and daughters was 33. The sons of Gad were Ziphion, Hagi, Shuni, Esbon, Eri, Arodi, and Areli. The sons of Asher were Imna, Ishva, Ishvi, and Beria. Their sister was Serah. The sons of Beriah were Heber and Malkiel. These were the sons of Zilpah, whom Laban gave to his daughter Leah. She gave birth to these children for Jacob. The total was 16. The sons of Jacob's wife Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. In Egypt, Manasseh and Ephraim were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest from the city of On. The sons of Benjamin were Bela, Becher, Ashbel, Gera, Naaman, 
Ehi, Rosh, Mupim, Hupim, and Ard. These were the descendants of Rachel who were born to Jacob. The total was 14. The son of Dan was Hushim. The sons of Naphtali were Jaziel, Guni, Jezer, and Shalem. These were the descendants of Bilhah, whom Laban gave to his daughter Rachel. She gave birth to these sons for Jacob. The total was seven. The total number of Jacob's direct descendants who went with him to Egypt was 66. This didn't include the wives of Jacob's sons. Joseph had two sons who were born in Egypt. The grand total of people in Jacob's household who went to Egypt was 70. Israel sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to get directions to Goshen. When Israel's family arrived in the region of Goshen, Joseph prepared his chariot and went to meet his father, Israel. As soon as he saw his father, he threw his arms around him and cried on his shoulder a long time. Israel said to Joseph, Now that I've seen for myself that you're still alive, I'm ready to die. Then Joseph said to his brothers and his father's family, I'm going to Pharaoh to tell him, My brothers and my father's family who were in Canaan have come to me. The men are shepherds. They take care of livestock. They've brought their flocks and herds and everything they own. Now when Pharaoh calls for you and asks, What kind of work do you do? You must answer, We have taken care of herds all our lives as our ancestors have done. You must say this so that you may live in the region of Goshen, because all shepherds are disgusting to Egyptians. Joseph went and told Pharaoh, My father and my brothers have arrived from Canaan with their flocks, herds, and everything they have. Now they are in Goshen. Since he had taken five of his brothers with him, he presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked the brothers, What kind of work do you do? They answered Pharaoh, We are shepherds, as were our ancestors. We have come to live in this land for a while. The famine is so severe in Canaan that there's no pasture for our flocks. So please, let us live in Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you. All of Egypt is available to you. Have your father and your brothers live in the best part of the land. Let them live in Goshen. If they are qualified, put them in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and had him stand in front of Pharaoh. Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked him, How old are you? Jacob answered Pharaoh, The length of my stay on earth has been 130 years. The years of my life have been few and difficult, fewer than my ancestors' years. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and left. As Pharaoh had ordered, Joseph had his father and his brothers live in the best part of Egypt, the region of Ramses. He gave them property there. Joseph also provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's family with food based on the number of children they had. The famine was so severe that there was no food anywhere. 
Neither Egypt nor Canaan were producing crops because of the famine. Joseph collected all the money that could be found in Egypt and in Canaan as payment for the grain people bought. Then he took it to Pharaoh's palace. When the money in Egypt and Canaan was gone, all the Egyptians came to Joseph. Give us food, they said. Do you want us to die right in front of you? We don't have any more money. Joseph replied, If you don't have any more money, give me your livestock and I'll give you food in exchange. So they brought their livestock to Joseph and he gave them food in exchange for their horses, sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. During that year, he supplied them with food in exchange for all their livestock. When that year was over, they came to him the next year. Sir, they said to him, you know that our money is gone and you have all our livestock. There's nothing left to bring you except our bodies and our land. Do you want us to die right in front of you? Do you want the land to be ruined? Take us and our land in exchange for food. Then we will be Pharaoh's slaves and our land will be his property. Please give us seed so that we won't starve to death and the ground won't become a desert. Joseph bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh. Every Egyptian sold his fields because the famine was so severe. The land became Pharaoh's. All over Egypt, Joseph moved the people to the cities. But he didn't buy the priests' land because the priests received an income from Pharaoh and they lived on that income. That's why they didn't sell their land. Joseph said to the people, Now that I have bought you and your land for Pharaoh, here is seed for you. Plant crops in the land. Every time you harvest, give one-fifth of the produce to Pharaoh. Four-fifths will be yours to use as seed for your fields and as food for your households. You have saved our lives, they said. Please, sir, we are willing to be Pharaoh's slaves. Joseph made a law concerning the land in Egypt, which is still in force today. One-fifth of the produce belongs to Pharaoh. Only the land of the priests didn't belong to Pharaoh. So the Israelites settled in Egypt in the region of Goshen. They acquired property there and had many children. Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years, so he lived a total of 147 years. Israel was about to die. He called for his son Joseph and said to him, I want you to swear that you love me and are faithful to me. Please, don't bury me here. I want to rest with my ancestors. Take me out of Egypt and bury me in their tomb. I will do as you say, Joseph answered. Swear to me, he said. So Joseph swore to him. Then Israel bowed down in prayer with his face at the head of his bed. Later Joseph was told, your father is ill. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, to see Jacob. When Jacob was told, Your son Joseph is here to see you, Israel gathered his strength and sat up in bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in Canaan and blessed me. He said to me, I will make you fertile and increase the number of your descendants so that you will become a community of people. 
I will give this land to your descendants as a permanent possession. So your two sons, who were born in Egypt before I came here, are my sons. Ephraim and Manasseh will be mine, just as Reuben and Simeon are. Any other children you have after them will be yours. They will inherit the land listed under their brothers' names. As I was coming back from Padan, Rachel died in Canaan when we were still some distance from Ephrath. So I buried her there on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he asked, Who are they? They are my sons, whom God has given me here in Egypt, Joseph answered his father. Then Israel said, Please bring them to me so that I may bless them. Israel's eyesight was failing because of old age, and he could hardly see. So Joseph brought his sons close to his father, and Israel hugged them and kissed them. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see you again, and now God has even let me see your sons. Joseph took them off his father's lap and bowed with his face touching the ground. Then Joseph took both of them, Ephraim on his right, facing Israel's left, and Manasseh on his left, facing Israel's right, and brought them close to him. But Israel crossed his hands and reached out. He put his right hand on Ephraim's head, although Ephraim was the younger son. He put his left hand on Manasseh's head, although Manasseh was older. Then Jacob blessed Joseph. May God, in whose presence my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac walked, may God, who has been my shepherd all my life to this very day, may the messenger who has rescued me from all evil bless these boys. May they be called by my name and by the names of my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac. May they have many children on the earth. When Joseph saw that his father had put his right hand on Ephraim's head, he didn't like it. So he took his father's hand in order to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's. Then he said to his father, That's not right, father. This is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. His father refused and said, I know, son, I know. Manasseh too will become a nation, and he too will be important. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be more important than he, and his descendants will become many nations. That day he blessed them. He said, Because of you, Israel will speak this blessing. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. In this way, Israel put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Now I am about to die but God will be with you. He will bring you back to the land of your fathers. I'm giving you one more mountain ridge than your brothers. I took it from the Amorites with my own sword and bow. Jacob called for his sons and said, Come here and let me tell you what will happen to you in the days to come. Gather around and listen, sons of Jacob. Listen to your father Israel. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my strength, the very first son I had, first in majesty and first in power. 
You will no longer be first, because you were out of control like a flood, and you climbed into your father's bed. Then you dishonored it. He climbed up on my couch. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are weapons of violence. Do not let me attend their secret meetings. Do not let me join their assembly. In their anger they murdered men. At their whim they crippled cattle. May their anger be cursed because it's so fierce. May their fury be cursed because it's so cruel. I will divide them among the sons of Jacob and scatter them among the tribes of Israel. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. Judah, you are a lion cub. You have come back from the kill, my son. He lies down and rests like a lion. He is like a lioness. Who dares to disturb him? A scepter will never depart from Judah, nor a ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes and the people obey him. He will tie his donkey to a grapevine, his colt to the best vine. He will wash his clothes in wine, his garments in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, his teeth are whiter than milk. Zebulun will live by the coast. He will have ships by the coast. His border will go as far as Sidon. Issachar is a strong donkey, lying down between the saddlebags. When he sees that his resting place is good and that the land is pleasant, he will bend his back to the burden and will become a slave laborer. Dan will hand down decisions for his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan will be a snake on a road, a viper on a path, that bites a horse's heels so that its rider falls off backwards. I wait with hope for you to rescue me, O Lord. Gad will be attacked by a band of raiders, but he will strike back at their heels. Asher's food will be rich. He will provide delicacies fit for a king. Naphtali is a doe set free that has beautiful fawns. Joseph is a fruitful tree, a fruitful tree by a spring, with branches climbing over a wall. Archers provoked him, shot at him, and attacked him. But his bow stayed steady and his arms remained limber because of the help of the Mighty One of Jacob, because of the name of the shepherd, the rock of Israel, because of the God of your father who helps you, because of the Almighty who gives you blessings from the heavens above, blessings from the deep springs below the ground, blessings from breasts and womb. The blessings of your father are greater than the blessings of the oldest mountains and the riches of the ancient hills. May these blessings rest on the head of Joseph, on the crown of the prince among his brothers. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he devours his prey. In the evening he divides the plunder. These are the twelve tribes of Israel and what their father said to them when he gave each of them his special blessing. Lord God, give us ears to listen and heed what you are telling us. You only wish to establish us and see us well as we serve you. May we heed your instruction and understand your prophecies 
as you grant us wisdom. Amen. Starting in chapter 46. It's been 13 or 14 years since Jacob has seen Joseph, and he's resigned to accept that he's dead. But now he's convinced that Joseph is alive and commences on his journey to Egypt. God appears to him for the seventh and final time and assures him that what is happening is good and that his legacy is secure. He will not become Egyptian. He will just be there for a while. The listing of the family is a fascinating tabulation. Even though we live in a world of brevity, instant messages and updates and worldwide news and such, we shouldn't be weary as we scroll through this family line. Jacob was a single man when he ventured to Haran in Genesis 29. Now, 17 chapters later, he is the head of a family of 70 people. He's definitely not alone. A study of where these 70 people were taken to becomes as large as the hemisphere they were all born in. The genealogies of Genesis 5 and 10 are equally as fascinating. They too are our best indication or look, or a window, if you will, into the ancient world. Even secular scholars interested in genealogy marvel at the accuracy and revelation of these listings. Jacob's arrival in Egypt and the reunion with his son Joseph is a wondrous illustration of beautiful restoration and the goodness of God. In chapter 47, the meeting between Israel and Pharaoh is cordial and encouraging. Israel and his family are afforded to the land north near the mouth of the Nile River, the land of Goshen. It is an interesting picture to ponder when Israel and Pharaoh meet. The meetings of the leader of Israel and the leader of Egypt through the millennia would not always be such congenial encounters. Be that as it may, this one is providence in the first regard. The nation of Israel would take the next 430 years to rest, be blessed, and to multiply. The management of the famine, as it is described in the rest of chapter 47, is politics and taxation as only politicians could pull off. The crisis is used in such a manner that before it is over, Pharaoh owns everything. Of government is doing what governments do. They could have managed and served and blessed as Jesus later urges leaders to do. But they tax and scheme and seize as godless governments do. The scene of chapter 48 is a prophecy that Jacob preveniently sees, though no one else does. It's a very human story of the switched arms and Jacob refusing to be corrected by his son Joseph. Joseph's sons Manasseh and Ephraim are blessed by their grandfather Israel, whom they have just met, and it is Ephraim who receives the prominent blessing regardless. Their history plays out accordingly hundreds of years later. Interesting that Manasseh, the king by the same name, 1,100 years later, turns out to be the most wicked king Israel ever had. He was the one who ordered for Isaiah to be executed in a ruthless and bloody manner. In chapter 49, the final word is given by Jacob, now Israel, to the twelve sons. The word to Reuben is again asserted in Chronicles 5, 1 and 2, if you want to better understand it. 
Jacob is referring to Reuben's deeds from Genesis 35:22. Simeon and Levi are receiving the scolding, as it were, for their actions described in Genesis 34:25, when they killed hundreds of men in Shechem. Shiloh is mentioned in verse 10, and Shiloh is referring to a Savior that is coming. It was the tribe of Judah that in time gave us David, and it was David's line that brought the Savior. Who is the lion of the tribe of Judah? Hmm. This is Jacob talking nearly 18 centuries before John writes that down in Revelation 5.5. Amazing concepts being seeded in our minds and hearts and into history right here. Jacob's words play out in a remarkable parallel to where and what each of the tribes end up becoming as the centuries pass by. Their history is being foretold, and Israel is right about it. Because he is serving the right God. Sevenstreamsmethod.com is the home port for this podcast. I just want to thank you for taking the time today to sail with us as we are sailing through the scriptures. And definitely invite your friends to join the journey. They can join any time of the year and they will be blessed. And they can finish up around this time next year. So tomorrow we will be traveling to the nation stream and continuing the book of 1 Samuel. Know that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Until tomorrow, I'm Serena sailing with you down the seven streams.